friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. So when we have that practice of making sure we are feeding ourselves on the cellular level, then all the cells are going to function better. Um, Our muscles to be able to be strengthened or to be stretched for a dancer, our right. our brain cells that are going to continue to regenerate, we're regenerating them with good nourishment. And so I think that that's really, really important, really key to understand. Friends, it's been a bit of a crazy week. We've been self-isolating due to exposure to COVID-19. And I have been more grateful than ever before for community and friends who are willing to take time to connect, even through a video chat. There truly is power in connection, and I hope that this can be a place of connection and encouragement for you today. Have you checked out our Patreon community? Patreon is a platform where you as a listener can help support the podcast through monthly donations. As a supporter of the podcast, you will get access to extra content that's only available to our Patreon community. Your support helps us reach more people with the show. If you're interested in supporting the show, you can learn more at creativeimpactpodcast.com slash Patreon. That's creativeimpactpodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I'd like to give a quick shout out to R.M. Spencer, who left a review this week saying, Rachel facilitates enjoyable conversations with her guests that many listeners will find encouraging and beneficial. I highly recommend. Thank you so much to everyone who has left a rating or review. We invite you to rate and review the show as well. I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today, Cynthia Newland. Cynthia is an artist, educator, speaker, and wellness consultant. She is the founder of Allable 3, nourishing the body, soul, and spirit, providing educational resources and equipping tools for holistic health. Cynthia is also the founder of Feet Speak Dance, offering hope through the art form of dance. One thing I love about Cynthia is her heart for connection and helping to bring artists together to support each other. In our conversation, we chat about the key elements of wellness and the major part that nutrition plays in our overall health, not only physically, but also mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. We talk a lot about knowing what season of life we're in and making intentional choices to find Sabbath rest, avoid burnout, and set boundaries so we can invest in our priorities. For those of you who are mothers, I believe you're going to find a lot of encouragement in Cynthia's perspective of motherhood as an artist. I am personally grateful for Cynthia's mentorship in my life, so I especially enjoy getting to ask her about her view of mentorship and her teaching philosophy. Her passion for intentional living and wellness is truly contagious. Enjoy my conversation with Cynthia Newland. I'm here today with Cynthia Newland, who is an artist, educator, speaker, and wellness consultant. And she also happens to be a great mentor in my life and a teacher from my time at Bellhaven University. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's really a joy to be with you today. Thank you. So excited to be able to have a conversation and connect. Just curious to have you maybe share with our listeners, what is your background as an artist? And then maybe just sharing a little bit about what you're doing currently. So my background is really all dance. I started dancing when I was four years old. I'm 57 now. So for a long time, it's just been a part of my life chose to go the educational route. So I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts, Master of Fine Arts in Dance, 
then ventured into the performing arts world. So I danced with a company in DC for a while and then went to graduate school. After that, I fell in love, met, married my husband, who is a pastor, sing, singer, songwriter, musician. We established a ministry called Collage. So with the early years of our life, which were out in California, we did a lot of work with churches, parachurch organizations, traveled around the world, had three amazing, beautiful children. And then in 2003, got a call to consider coming to Bellhaven University. And so I took the chair position, have been there ever since, um, since 2003, but a few years ago stepped away to just relinquish the, you know, the administrative duties right. and tasks, which I really felt blessed and so very thankful to do that for so many years, but really chose to step away from that and to get a little bit more in the classroom out in the world again to be able mm-hmm. to go and teach, travel, and then a really a passion of mine for a long time has been wellness and focusing on wellness. So that's really a greater percentage of the work I'm doing besides still dancing and teaching and training, this passion for health and wellness, helping people to make sure that they're understanding the education about how to take care of these temples. Um, So that's where I am today. I'm adjuncting at the university, freelancing as an artist, and then I have a couple of businesses on the side. That's incredible. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you and get that knowledge and some of those experiences that you've had and be able to share that with everyone that's listening. So one thing that I would love to dive into right away, because I know it's a passion of yours, is wellness and wellness for artists in particular And I know both of us are dancers, so speaking specifically for dancers as well. So I'm curious, was there a point where this became a passion for you or has it been kind of just throughout your life, something that you've been focused on? I grew up in Virginia and was born in Southern Virginia. A lot of the like food culture, food practices there were very much like they are here in Mississippi. Many things were, you know, overcooked, dipped in batter, deep fried. Right, deep fried. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So it wasn't my upbringing so much. It wasn't until I went to university. And then I just saw that there was a different way to, to feed yourself. And really, when I was in graduate school, I started connecting because that my graduate studies were in Arizona and I was a part of a co-op that was a food co-op and um, then really started to gain better knowledge, greater education. And that was back in the eighties, went a hundred percent plant-based back then, all, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, but it wasn't necessarily a cause for a, a movement. It was more of just looking at and investigating what was this going to do for my body to help reduce inflammation, to help me perform better. So really since then, since the 80s, I just have continued to um, you know, earn certifications and in wellness, done a lot of reading myself, um, attended different kinds of conferences and just stayed a student basically as an educator, really for me, that's the best um, testament of a, as an educator, are you remaining a student? Exactly. Yeah. So then it just translated into my tribes. And a part of that was because of the dance culture has been a part of my life for most all of my life. Those were the people that I felt like I had, you know, a real burden passion for. It's definitely grown through the years as my family grew, and it's grown through the years as I've been able to go out into different cultures 
as a kingdom agent to go into the church as well to speak and help to share this you know, information and knowledge. And basically the premise for me is we are image bearers. We've been made in the likeness of God. Mm -hmm. If we say, no, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me, then not only am I an image bearer and made in this holy image, but the spirit of God dwells within. So I want to provide the spirit of God a habitat where he can flourish in the most pure environment. And so that is mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, every area that I can think of that pertains to self. And so then it you know, transcends over into just the dance culture and how can right. we, because we're such spiritual beings and we're such so um, physical in our demonstration of the gifts that God's given us. And it takes, you know, mental endurance. It takes a lot of stamina. It takes so much to be a dancer. And then if you layer on the spiritual health and wellness on top of that, all of them fit together for me. So yes, mm -hmm. it's helping people to understand, okay, let's eat clean. Let's hydrate our bodies. Let's eat as many, you know, what God provided for us originally in the garden was plants. Genesis right. one twenty nine, where he articulates so clearly that um, I give you every plant bearing seed. This is for your food, for you and for animals. And so for me, that was the original intent. We just got enough nourishment from that source. So teaching people about that, how can we make sure we're getting back to the garden in that sense, um, getting back to hydrating our bodies, the pillars of health that look at um, mindful practice is more of a pop psychology word, mindfulness, mm -hmm. de-stressing, deep breath. There's scriptures are full of resources to remind us in scriptural passages that speak about breath and how life-giving that is, um, making sure people are understanding the importance of moving their bodies and keeping it in motion and also um, rest and sleep. And so when I'm looking at those pillars, each one needs to be attended to. And so it's really the whole education and nutrition is one of the ones that seems to be the most controversial sometimes where you're going, you know, against it countercultural. Right. Um, people, yeah. you, start, you start messing with their culture. You can exactly. tell them to sleep and they'll somewhat try to comply or drink more water. It's not going to be too controversial. Um, move your body. Okay. We all know we need to do that. But when you start messing with their food, that's where the, the bigger, greater challenge occurs. Right. Do you see any sort of trend as to why that tends to be the biggest challenge? Yeah, I, I, it is. I guess it's just um, inundated in culture. You know, mm -hmm. it's we learn how to have our practices from our environment. And often um, our religious practice comes from what has been taught from our grandparents onto our parents often, yeah, unless so there's a, you know, a revolt that occurs, then, you know, we'll start to go our own way. But food, it's because often food is not only our cultural practice and how we understand to eat but it's our social gatherings. Most every yes. social gathering can center around food. And so if it's the food of that culture, then that's going to be a part of what we celebrate or what we use um, to draw us together. But usually exercise, we don't draw together because of that. Do you know what I mean? Right. That's true. It's more individualized, I guess. Right. Yeah. More, you know, like subsets of culture to do that. But 
um, or rest, you know, sleeping. That's more of a, you know, you and your partner or you alone. Right. Um, but when it comes to food, that's a collective shared experience. So I believe that's a part of why it's so challenging is to to help bring any kind of alternative education to those, you know, practiced um, behaviors. Then we just find that people you know, you're under suspect if you start talking about, you know, my fried chicken, right? (laughs) (laughs) because that's next to godliness. You know what I mean? It's just like, (laughs) what what do you do in the South? You read your Bible and you eat fried chicken. Obviously that's a huge um, overstatement, but you get the concept. (laughs) Yes, for sure. I think that's so true that it's so interconnected, intertwined with with our family culture or with, um, yes, your society and people that you're spending time with. So in celebration, like you said, so I think Mm. that's, that's something to really think about too. And, you know, it's amazing. I think seeing the impact of one life and how that can influence that circle as well, even though it's a struggle probably, but how you can be an agent of change for your family or, yeah, I just think that's super inspiring. And I know, Getting to hear from you, um, and especially, I think it was probably at Adeum Intensives. We obviously in college, I had heard from you, but then specifically on nutrition, I feel like since post college, getting to hear you speak on it a couple of times, it really did connect with me as well and was very impactful. Um, I remember you had an exercise where I think you had a, a can of soda and we're asking, you know, how much sugar do you think would be in one of these cans of soda? And then you had, you know, the sugar packets drop from it and show the grams and really how much sugar is inside. And that was a huge impact on me. And I use that with my students now. So that's great. Definitely have a lot of room to grow in my own life, connecting wellness and nutrition into that overall wellness. But I think everything that I've gained and learned from you has been such a blessing. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're very welcome. It's my honor. Yeah, I definitely remember just sitting with you many, many times. You were one of the students that were very intentional to spend time. And I remember weekly meetings or monthly meetings that we had. And sometimes they were early in the morning and mm-hmm. just that intentionality of you. And it, for me, it just was a real um, testament to the depth of your own um, desires to to be a mentor to others in the future. And so I definitely remember many, many conversations with you and how treasured those were. Same for me. Thank you. And I love what you said earlier about, and maybe we can dive a little bit more into it, about wellness as a whole and nutrition being a piece of that, but also, you know, looking at our mental health and emotional health and spiritual health. Um, So I would love to hear just some of your tools and insights that you've found to help produce spiritual and emotional wellness, mental wellness as well. Any practices that you've found that have been helpful? Mm -hmm. Well, one thing definitely does come back into the nutrition component. And many people don't understand that, you know, we've got this microbiome. So here's our science lesson, you know, for today. Yes. Love it. We've got our microbiome. So it's the area in our body where we have all of these different, um, you know, it's the germs, it's the good germs, bad germs, the good bacteria, the bad bacteria. And a great percentage of it is in your intestine. And so we've heard things potentially about like your gut brain connection or mm-hmm. your, your, your gut intelligence. Well, there's something to that. It's like a second brain, so to speak, because of all the neurological connectors that are in our intestines. 
when we are feeding ourselves with pure food, that is what feeds the good bacteria. So the good bacteria likes the good stuff, the fruits and vegetables and the nuts, seeds, grains. The bad bacteria likes the processed things, the things that are, you know, the food colors, food additives, the sugars, and those kinds of things. What we could do is feed the good bacteria more and more and more because when we do that, we are feeding the brain and our gut And that's where serotonin is developed. Serotonin is our mood regulator that then goes to our brain. And so there really is this direct connection between mood, emotion, feeling that doesn't just come just from cognitively from our brain up in our head. It really is initiated through what we're eating that then feeds to send to our brain to help regulate our mood. So I, I know that that's a huge one. It's really, really crucial that we get that concept. And it's not just some kind of, you know, ethereal or metaphysic or philosophical or some kind of mm-hmm. thing that's out there. It's very, it is very scientific and um, very physical. So when we have that practice of making sure we are feeding ourselves on the cellular level, then all the cells are going to function better. Um, Our muscles to be able to be strengthened or to be stretched for a dancer, our our brain cells that are going to continue to regenerate, we're regenerating them with good nourishment. And so I think that that's really, really important, really key to understand then as far as the mental emotional balance, I really see that it's important to attend to that part of God's creation. I believe he's made our body, this temple, mm-hmm. he's made our spirit, which is eternal. And there's a lot of different schools of thought reading the scriptures. If soul and spirit are the same thing, or if they're different, I land in the camp that they're different. There's enough um, references to mm-hmm. them being in separate, you know, interpretation. So with the soul, that for me is your mind, your will, your emotions. And it's different than your spirit, that which is eternal, that will live forever and prayerfully in the heavenlies with Jesus. Right. But with the soul nourishment, our mind, our will, and our emotions, then we have to attend to that. We have to exercise it. We have to activate. We have to be intentional about that practice of our cognitively, what am I thinking? And there's more and more research coming out now about positive thoughts and how that benefits us. And there's studies, things like, you know, you speak to two um, different vials. And if you speak negative things to one that has water and some substance in it and the same, very same thing, and the other one, you speak good things to this one, negative things to that one. And then what starts to happen over a couple of weeks is one of them that you've been speaking good things to, it just remains its pure color, but the other one starts to turn pungent and, and discolored. And that's just because of the power, the effort, energy, thoughts, whatever is going into that that is a part of that thing that's exceedingly abundantly beyond what we really can completely comprehend. Right. So there is something about how we speak to ourselves and how that can be life-giving. There are scriptures that talk about how we can hold every thought captive to Christ. If we grab that concept that the thoughts of Christ are 
for good for humanity. The thoughts of Christ are holy and pure. The thoughts of Christ are justice. The thoughts of Christ are all of these things that are life-giving. If we have the ability to turn our thoughts in that way, that can be for self and it can be for others and it can be for God that we have that um, training and that practice. There's other things that we can put into place about, um, you know, thought stopping exercises that are the negative thoughts and then thought starting exercise that are the positive thoughts. And so mm, like really being rec- intentional about yeah, that. Absolutely. And, and with dancers, we know how important that is because we are at the mirror, we're looking at ourselves, we're looking at our bodies, For sure. we're thinking, you know, here's some negative things that I wish my body looked like this person I'm standing next to, or I wish that my leg would go here, or I wish that I would. Well, those can be good things to strive for in the context of, you know, to, to challenge one another technically, but to um, beat yourself up because this is the body that you've been given and it's been created and designed by God. And he made it with an intention to be the very one that he designed for you. When we can get away from acknowledging and I mean, get to the place of acknowledging that some of those thoughts that I have might not be so life-giving for me and probably aren't so life-giving for the person that I'm next to because it's going to bleed over into to them as well. So the, the whole wellness component of balancing is intentionality. To part of it is knowing what are, what are my own tendencies as a person to go there quickly in a negative way that isn't life-giving, mm-hmm. and then recognizing that, naming that, and then practically getting some ways to approach it. So maybe it's putting information, little um, positive scriptures on you know little index cards, and you've got that posted somewhere, or you've got reminders that pop up on your phone periodically or whatever it is. You've got a wristband on that you see and it's pink and pink for you means positive or whatever, but but you've prepared yourself being very proactive to know here's my bent tendencies towards the negative and here's ways that I am protecting myself And then the other part of that is accountability, you know, Mm -hmm. just being really honest with a friend to say, okay, you know me, I know you, you watch when I start making that face in class and you (laughs) you just come to me after we've done the combination and say, girl, you got it. It's okay. Come on, come on, you know? And so it's just that intentionality of making sure we are um, attending to ourselves emotionally, mentally, you know, might have the tendency just, I'm going to just throw it all, throw the towel in, just going to just throw my hands up and I'm done. Well, there, there's times when we need to draw a boundary and say, okay, I'm done because this isn't good or healthy for me. Mm -hmm. But there's times when we get to that place of saying I'm done because we're giving up and we have so much more perseverance within us than sometimes we think. So it's, I, I believe it's just understanding more of the power of our brains that God has given us to understand that we do have power over our own emotions. Um, and it doesn't mean that we stifle them. It's just we've got to name them and recognize them and then deal with them, grow from them and engage them. Self-control, that's one of the greatest you know, fruits of the spirit. Yes. But it doesn't mean that you don't have feelings or emotions. It's just when do we need just to let them go and let them freely flow? Because that's a part of the artist that is so beautiful that we're in touch with them. And that's what 
gives the depth of the artist so much to communicate. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so it, yeah, it's just finding all of those places of balance. But I believe the greatest thing is just recognition, self-investigation. And that's a part of all of this is knowing self and asking God, inform me, how did you wire me? And maybe even question at times, why did you make me this way? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it sure seems a, a little out of control at times. And it's right. like, well, it, this is how I made you. And you'll see it's not always a curse. It really can be a huge blessing mm-hmm. in and how you know me and honor me and love me and worship me and how you are a part of humanity and contribute. So it's just, it, it's self-investigation and knowing, understanding that what God has made and created is good and then giving it some equal time. So it's not just about being in the studio, technique, 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 artistry, artistry, artistry. What will inform your technique can be these other areas that are more balanced and you've exercised them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really profound, you know, and especially I think as artists, we can get very almost like a single track focus on, like you said, that technique, 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 and we get consumed by that, I think sometimes. And it's a huge reminder and a great practice to really step back and try to evaluate, you know, what is actually life-giving here and what is stifling, I guess, or hurting me. And I know something that a lot of artists deal with is burnout and this sense of, I guess, either push, 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 and not restoring or or just giving, giving, giving. And yeah, do you have any thoughts you would want to speak towards people that are in that place of feeling burnt out or feeling run down, you know, mm-hmm. in their in their practice? I heard a wonderful definition once about this whole concept of burnout. And really, they were putting it in the context of like dancers, artists, we can do things for a long period of time. Say, you know, you're in production mode and you're in a two week period where you're putting in superhuman amount of time, effort, hours in the studio. We don't get outside in the sun very much just because, you know, you're in that theater Mm -hmm. environment in some settings, you know, it, it can be for a long time just because of preparing for production and in that mode, people will do that and they're not burnt out because it's so life-giving and it's mm-hmm. something that we, that you can endure and it's because you you love it so much and because you're yeah, so passionate passion. about it yes yeah it's it's there so the times when we feel that burnout is when we are becoming disengaged with the passion mm. so it's not yeah. necessarily that we don't have the ability for a long sense of time to be able to have stamina and have endurance and perseverance. So it's not a matter of can we withstand it because we can, we do. It's just a part of how dancers even operate day after day after day in the studio. It's not, do we have the capacity to do it? It's, am I connected still with my assignment, with my purpose, with my calling? And so when that disengagement happens, then we have a feeling of being burnt out when I feel completely overwhelmed, when I feel like I'm not able to carry on to sustain this any longer. So it's really keeps coming back to that place of where, where am I called? What is my purpose? What's my joy? What's my passion? And being able to, to name that and stay connected to that. And then obviously it's also what is then going beyond our superhuman abilities because Mm -hmm. it's not really sustainable 
to have that kind of theater experience where you're in the, you know, the two week production mode, but to live in that for six months, eight months, two years, somewhere that crosses the line where our bodies need rest, our mental, you know, we need mental, we need rest. Um, So that's why I think obviously how God's designed it with having a Sabbath day, that there is a day of rest. Mm -hmm. If we can heed that, then it helps us physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally in in every way. So really, again, getting back to that place of passion, that place of calling, that place of purpose, and then knowing that with that, we still have to draw some sort of boundaries. Um, And those are boundaries that we place on ourselves. And it's boundaries we place in relationships, boundaries we place in working relationships, because often we're going to demand a lot of ourselves. Other people are going to demand a lot of us too. Mm-hmm. And I love that verse that reminds us to do all things unto God rather than man. And so that just helps to put it into context too. Am I doing this for what purpose? So yes, I'm right. passionate, but is the passion sustaining me because I'm just trying to please this audience or because I'm trying to approval of parents or peers or <laughs> colleagues, or am I really in the depth of my soul, knowing that this is what God's called me to. And, you know, again, it's that phrase that we've heard before, an audience of one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Love those thoughts and insights. And I'm just curious. So what does Sabbath look like for you in your life? Great question. And 57 years into this, I became a Christian in 1981. So I've been a believer for a long time. And it's been different in different seasons of life, just because when I was, you know, in university age, became a believer, looked different than when I was a young mom um, right. and being a mom of now adult children and having grandbabies, it looks different. So I think it's, for me, it's just acknowledging also, you know, where are we in our season of life? There were many years in our earlier marriage where Doug and I both were um, on the pastoral team of churches. So we were on the teaching team, the artist in residence. He was in obviously music. I was in dance. So Sundays were a big work day for us. Yeah, that makes sense. That's not the rest day necessarily. Right. Right. So you just have to attend to when is that? Um, The other challenge for us was through most of our whole life, married life, we've worked together. We've Mm, done life together. We've done family together. We've done calling together. We've done work together. So where are you basically taking even a Sabbath from those things in your family life and family environment? So Mm -hmm. I think it's really important for everybody to make those assessments for themselves. You can't just, I don't believe, declare that this Sunday is the Sabbath day um, Mm. because that's the biggest work day for some people. Uh, you know, that that's a very, very, very long work day. So for me, it's being attentive to um, doing things that I love and that I take pleasure in. So things like taking a day or a good portion of a day and, you know, getting in the kitchen and creating something. Um, somebody might say, oh, that's work. Well, for me, that's, there's a creativity that's so life-giving that brings me joy and it doesn't feel like a burden. It's just, it's fun or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, taking um, portions of a day and, you know, reading or just taking a nap or often for me, it's, it's a creative engagement that doesn't feel like it's work productivity. Mm -hmm. It just is something that's life-giving. Definitely 
definitely for me is the whole um, walking, getting outside, getting in nature and creation. Yeah, there's something about being outside yeah. that, yeah, it just, I feel like it's a grounding experience, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely, I can't go outside without God speaking to me. I mean, if you look at my phone, so I've got cool. so many pictures of things that I see and God just speaks to me so loudly um, when I'm in creation. And that's probably for me, and even just a couple of days ago, that um, when we were, well, me, when we, me and God <laughs> were out together, <laughs> uh, walked together, there was just something so profound and I had people passing by me and I'm up in the middle of a tree and I'm looking and I'm taking pictures because it was, you know, something that I had passed by numerous times and just kept thinking, this is part of God's creation. And I kept looking and looking at this little blossom in this up high in this tree. And so finally I was like, okay, I'm going to get over there and look at it. And so I have all these pictures on my phone and looking at the roots and looking at the tree and making all these analogies of this vine that's growing around this tree. And anyway, it just, God just speaks to me. And so a part of that Sabbath is appreciating God's creation, appreciating God's profound beauty in things that he's made and designed. So it, it really, I can't tell you that I just have a set Sabbath practice Definitely family time is huge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, let's I'll, I'll get together and let's yeah, enjoy that. one another. So that, that's for me is another part of the practice. Yeah, I think it is that fluid, you know, what is life-giving and connecting in. Yeah, I love getting out in nature. And probably what's neat about that is when people are walking by and they see you being intentional about observing creation, it probably, you know, affects their mindset as well. Like, wow. That is really neat. Or I don't know. I think I think it can have an effect when people see us intentionally being aware of nature and what's around us and what's happening and being present to the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I definitely agree. And that's a part going back to those cultural practices that we talked about earlier. Um, why is food culture so a part of our everyday activities? Well, we've seen that practice. And so I think that's even what we've talked about earlier, too. It's just this mentorship or this training and teaching and preparing and helping others. If we implement those practices in our own lives, then they're going to see it in some mm-hmm. way. They're going to see it. Yeah. looking to build a new website or improve your current website? I personally use Bluehost web hosting for my website and I love the user-friendly nature and their seamless integration with WordPress. The launch of the Creative Impact website has been so much smoother because of Bluehost. To learn more about what Bluehost has to offer, you can check out creativeimpactpodcast.com/bluehost. Now back to my conversation with Cynthia. beautiful. And I know you mentioned, so you're a mom and a grandma. That's so exciting. Yes. So fun. What has that been like? I actually think I have yet to speak to someone who is an artist and a mom currently. So I would love to get your perspective on what does that look like? How does your artist identity or identity as an artist feed into motherhood and you know, finding also the balance there between work and family life? I feel like that was a very long question. <laughs> no, no, I got it. I got the, I've got the question. Well, again, it, it's 
different now in this season of life than it was when I was a new mom and had babies. Right. Um, so it, I think it's really looking at where are we in a season of life? I've articulated this before that God called me to be a wife mm-hmm. when I started leaning in like and falling in love with my husband. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he just, you know, designed it for us to be together. We made that choice and made that commitment. And then having children called me to be a mama. But before he called me to be a wife and before he called me to, to be a mom, he had already put a calling on me to be a dancer. Mm-hmm. And so that part wasn't released when I became a wife and became a mom. It does go away for some, and I have no judgment, you know, value call on that. God's going to lead us all in different ways. But Mm -hmm. for me, the passion to be wife and a mom remained, but this calling as a dancer and a dance artist and an educator and administrator was very real. So I had to do things. I had to make choices. And part of the choices I made was I'd get up early in the morning when I was chair of the dance department and I made food for the whole day and dinner. And so everything was done before our kids woke up. And that was a way to make sure that our family was at least going to be nourished and have that part of their real physical need attended to being intentional about our family times and dinners or game times. Mm -hmm. um, Connecting in together. Yeah, definitely that connection. Um, And that's proven true now. I mean, we have adult married children and grandchildren and our kids still get together and love to hang out together. Or we as a whole unit don't feel, I believe this, you know, obligation it's, we want to, and it's, Mm -hmm. we're one another's favorite people. And so I'm so thankful that that was a part of what was cultivated. So it's, again, it goes back to those boundaries, naming those boundaries, because working at an environment Sometimes we'll see that that environment will take absolutely everything from you that you give. Right. And if you don't draw the boundary, Mm -hmm. you're not intentional to do that. Then there's going to be some place that suffers. Emma and I, my middle daughter, who is a dancer, um, we've had the chance to be on a couple of panels together about this being family and ministry or family and dance. And to hear her articulate that, you know, there were some times when, you know, my mom was the chair of the dance department and she was overseeing, you know, over a hundred dancers. And there were some times when she said, you know, I felt like, okay, I want my mommy to be my mommy, Mm -hmm. but she's mommy to, you know, a hundred other people. And sometimes I just wanted her to be my mommy. And then later on to be able to articulate but she saw the strength in that and that the effort that I made that obviously there was sacrifice in that, but that you know, she articulates that she wouldn't have changed that for the world because she knows now as a woman and soon to be a mom, the value in fulfilling those things that God places on your heart to fulfill that calling. Mm-hmm. So again, I think it's just, it's really that balance and um, being very intentional about it. And, you know, there's things that I think I would do a little differently now. And a part of it was how much I gave and it did cause my family sacrifice to be sacrificed because of that. Mm-hmm. But there's not huge regrets by any means. And a part of it is 
who is your community and who is coming in to help to pick up the pieces, so to speak. So we just happened to have a collection of really wonderful families around us. And there were times when I was in production mode with at the university and was there for long hours for quite a few days at a time. And another family mom was um, had our children over and she was baking cookies and she was doing these activities. And there was a part of me I had to resign to. It's like, I want to be baking cookies right, right. now. With my kids. <laughs> I want to do that and grieve that sometimes, mm-hmm. but at the same time realize my kids weren't missing out on the experience and their lives are richer because they're understanding community in a different way. And I was... I was called to a sacrifice. It was really a sacrifice at times to mm-hmm. miss that time. And yet God has multiplied that in, I believe, countless lives. And so we always are going to have to count the cost, whatever mm-hmm. that is, in whatever ways that, you know, that assignment is from God. It's just gets even back to that place of burnout of if we feel like the sacrifice continues on and on and on and on where it's coming to such a great cost, is that really what God's calling us to? Or are we, you know, malaligned? Are we not really lining up with what he wants us to? Yeah. The heart behind that makes sense for sure. It's good to, yeah, because it's never going to be perfection, I think probably in that journey, but, you know, continually just, Staying intentional, like you said, that's kind of been a good theme throughout this whole conversation, but staying intentional um, with our time and yeah, kind of counting the costs, like you said. So yeah, thank you for being vulnerable to share that because I know it's a hard topic for a lot of people, um, especially people that are in a career or calling that includes both, I guess, a calling that includes both career and family and motherhood. So thank you for speaking to that. You know, that will touch a lot of people. Absolutely. That ties really well, actually, into teaching and mentorship. You've been a huge mentor in my life. And I think something that's been neat is um, was getting to watch you as the chair of the dance department, as a teacher. Um, like you said, you were a mom to all of us as well. So it wasn't just, you know, I'm here as your teacher, but I'm here. I care about you as a, a whole person and holistically. And I remember just a funny story was um, one time we were in our Friday department meetings, which I still try to do this with my students. It's but anyway, they don't it. always go with it, it, but that's okay. <laughs> but um, we were in a department meeting and I think you had everyone stand and you said, okay, if you are not in a relationship, you know, with a significant other, you may sit down. <laughs> it's like, okay. And then you were like, okay, I've met you, your significant other, I've met your significant other. And then you kind of like, okay, why have I not met them? <laughs> and I thought that was so beautiful in the sense that you care not only about, you know, our dancing or our academics, but you cared about our um, relationships and our health emotionally and as people. So just thank you for that. And I think that's really translated into my teaching as well. And, you know, that it's really about the person and their growth and where you can speak into their lives so much more. I mean, the dance is important and the academics are important, but it's, it's a part of that whole. So I'd love to hear just what is your, almost like your teaching philosophy or what, what is your heart behind teaching and how would you articulate that? Well, thank you for that. And as you're talking to, I remember um, those meetings, if, if I ever did that, just seeing when I said, okay, sit down if you're not in a relationship. And then you just see like, Oh, 
like, uh, busted. <laughs> She's gonna call you out. Exactly. Um, but obviously, it wasn't the intent. Um, and people would roll with it. And I've had some really amazing conversations with the um, significant others of some of those dancers. And some of them, some of those guys took me up on it that came and met with me for quite a few years. And they ended up being really strong marriages today. And not That's because, so of, cool. because of me by any means, right. um, but a part of that story. So um Anyway, that, that's a part of the mentorship and that's a part of the teaching philosophy. We are God's created and our identity is as a son or a daughter of a father God. And then we happen to dance. We happen to be an architect. We happen to be a mathematician. We happen to, those are things that, he gives us assignments to do, but it does not define who we are or mm-hmm. whose we are. And so for me, that teaching philosophy is we want to remain teachable always. And for me, I, I want somebody to, to, you know, pull my teaching card. If I ever get to that place where I stop remaining to be a student. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge part for me is how am I learning? How am I growing? How am I transforming? How am I or being transformed? How am I current with what's going on in the culture? Um, because when I started teaching many years ago, even as a student teacher back in my teens, back in the 70s, I had opportunities then to, to grow and to learn. And that has continued through all of these years but I remained a student and I wanted to remain um, to be relevant with what's going on. And so during that span of time from the seventies to now 2020, there's been a lot that's happened in culture and society. There's been a lot that has changed. And part of it is through technology and, and different kinds of needs. Mm-hmm. We're not teaching the same student that right. we were back then because of so many different cultural shifts and changes. And so a part of the philosophy would be just to be as current and relevant as possible. A part of it is really focused on identity is helping the student, helping us to understand our identity and to either have that healed and transformed strengthened, claimed, proclaimed, it really is helping people to be, you know, unapologetic about self and um, how they've been made and created and designed, getting back into that place of, you know, being um, made by a beautiful maker, the artist of all artists, and then knowing, okay, then what passions do I have? Um, A part of the teaching philosophy also is looking at what's the outcome So it's not just what am I trying to hone in now or to help to realize now, but where are your goals? Where do you feel like God's calling you? What do you feel passionate about? Mm -hmm. So let's teach towards that also. Let's help you to apply the same lessons as somebody else is getting in the same classroom, but applying it towards your own individual calling. So I think that that's a part of it as well. And so that does take knowing people individually. That does mm-hmm. take 
helping to, to just, you know, for that to rise up within the individual, to know their own strengths and to know their own weaknesses and um, to try to find that balance between. So I, I believe that all of, all of that is really important and we can't just teach to the test. You know, we can't teach to expect the identical outcomes because if that's the case, then we are trying to duplicate a, something within a system that's just going to have an output of, a, you know, a subset of dancers or whomever that are all going to be the same, mm -hmm. then they're only going to be able to meet one portion of the societal needs. And God is so much bigger than that. His kingdom is so much more vast than that. And so right. however we can identify and help even, you know, help even to, to get that calling within, to get stirred up, to get sometimes even brave enough or um, daring enough to just go for it. And, you know, that's another part. We're teaching to the bravery um, within. So I think it's all of those things, but really um, coming to who is the person, who are you and understanding your own worth your own value your own purpose and from that then going forward to um, serve God and to serve humanity yeah that's beautiful love all of those thoughts and getting to hear your heart for mentoring for teaching so I'm curious as we kind of come to a close here what is something that maybe is on your heart to share with other artists right now in the, our current times? I believe that it's, again, it's so important to look at things from a biblical context and to understand that God has a heart for what's going on in the world today. God loves this world. God loves the people of this world. God made all the people of this world. And mm -hmm. from that understanding, then to, to realize we're also a part of being loved. And that understanding also of how, what's my purpose? My purpose is to love God and to serve God and to love people and to serve people. Sometimes as artists, we have the tendency to be um, melodramatic about things, which gives us such a, you know, a, an isolated identity, um, but also can make us really relatable in some ways to culture in such a, um, yeah, a significant true. way that we can be very passionate people. We can be very driven. We can have such a um, strong voice in what we want to be articulated. For me, it's just continuing to allow all that to come through this filter of mm. what is truth and what is my assignment? When we as artists understand those things, then it will help what we are communicating to have power to be operated, navigated through that voice and authority that we've been given by God. And for us to understand that we have a directive that is our directive from God to humanity. Sometimes we can easily be persuaded by the masses and what should I be saying now? How should I be acting? What should my response be? And sometimes it's not the most esteemed role to be quiet for a little while, to allow that to come and to speak in action indeed in your own mode of operating. And sometimes people are going to have a very loud, strong voice and that is good. Others 
aren't operate, aren't created that way and don't Mm -hmm. operate that way. And that isn't to be shamed or to be put aside. So I'd say for us today, for the artists to know that we're culture changers and that we are going to have the ability now to respond to what's been going on and to allow truth to permeate through us and our art making, our art crafting, our art designing, and then dispensing that art out into the world. Um, I also believe that it's okay to be a slow processor because sometimes when we look at the masterworks, those took years to cultivate. Yeah, um, that's true. And that that doesn't always go well in this instant cultivation culture. Right, we want it now. We want the we product, want you know. We want it now. So it's okay that things can marinate for a little while, that we don't have necessarily an immediate reaction. And I think there's a real difference between reaction and response. Um, sometimes reaction, that's deep. You get hit, boom, you react. Response, boom, it's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, figure out why did they do that? Why did that happen? What was it? As yeah, take that time to, that, to evaluate. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think all of that, and that to me is shows the depth, uh, maturity of the artist. But we do have things to articulate and we do have things to say. And this culture is going to respond from what the artists are going to articulate. And so it's a profound time to deepen as an artist in hearing from God to know what is it that he wants to say and then be obedient to do it and to do the tough work, the hard work, to be the communicator in our mode of communication, whatever that might be in our um, genre or style, to be able to do that. And that that's a part, though. I'm a dancer. That's one part. Mm-hmm. First, I'm the daughter of God, and I'm a sister to a lot of people. And that's right. the per- first part. And for me, sometimes that's the most important part. And it happens to come through dance sometimes, but more often it comes through love, action, service, deed, showing up, being present. Mm, That's the greater role. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So last question for you today, and this is just sort of for fun, but what is one of your favorite things right now? Could be silly, could be deep. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am really enjoying being a mom of adult children and Mm. these these grandbabies. I just, They're so precious. Um, I love seeing I, pictures. <laughs> I just, I love it. And I've heard older people talk about, oh, wait till your grandparent. And I love my children dearly. And I love these grandbabies right now who are coming into our lives. And I think partly it's just because I'm at a different place in life and I have a different appreciation. I'm able with the freedom in my schedule to make more decisions on what's a priority for me. And a part of the priority is this family of mine, unapologetically, this family of mine is a priority and these babies, it's just, Mm -hmm. there's so much joy. I mean, I'll tell this quick story yesterday morning, we were FaceTiming um, and my daughter who has the two um, children just lives a mile and a half away. So it's not that far, but in the morning yesterday, Tess and I are talking and she just FaceTimed me real quick and I was in the kitchen. And one of the, the one that's three old, she's like, Thea, because my grandma name is Thea, 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 I want to come to your house. I'm going to come to your house. Come, come to my house. And her big thing is come find me, come find me. Aww. And then the youngest who is going to be one um, in a couple of days 
I just taught her when she was little, if you want me to come and get you, I clap my hands and I put my hands out like, do you want me to hold you? And so she's just learned to do that. She claps when, it, when she sees me. Well, it was the first time yesterday on FaceTime that she saw me and she looked at the phone and she started going like this. And she just did it over and over again, like, pick me up, hold me, be a girl. And she just couldn't, she she couldn't understand. And we just were laughing at the same time. So anyway, that's a part of the joy. True, true joy is these, um, this season of life with family. I just so thankful. So very, very thankful. That is so precious. I love it. Yeah. And they don't quite grasp the concept that you're not right there in the room, but, (laughs) but it's such a beautiful, yeah, beautiful moment. Love that. Well, I would love to share, you know, with anyone that's listening, how can they get in touch with you or hear more about some of the initiatives you have going on um, with wellness and coaching and, and I believe you have a dance company as well. So we'd love to hear where we can contact you. Sure. Um, well, Audible 3 is A-L-I-B-L-E, the number three. That is just where the wellness information is. It also bleeds over into the dance teaching workshops and things that I do. So that's on that website. Just on Facebook, connected in with a couple of groups that I run, a holy spirited, strong and well um, Facebook group. Another Facebook group is Christian Dance Leaders, just trying to feed in good tips and connections for that community. Mm-hmm. Feet Speak Dance, it's um, a dance company and it's more of a pick up kind of company through the year, academic year. Um, In the summer months, it's more me continuing to engage with other artists. So you can see some posts there as well. Sometimes you'll see some things posted on Instagram. I'm not the best, admittedly, in that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there's a few locations. But my heart definitely is still to, to connect people, to help educate people in this whole you know, plight of how do we care for these temples and then serve in the gifts that God's given us. Um, So all of those groups are operated to point us in those directions. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. And just, I love having conversations with you. So any chance I get. (laughs) Thank you. love getting to talk with Cynthia. She inspires me to live intentionally and make wellness a priority. I hope our conversation has inspired you today as well. You can find links from the show in the full show notes on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. Have you checked out the resources page on our website? You'll find curated resources to inspire you and help you live a holistic, healthy life. I'll continue to update this list as I find more tools that I believe would be helpful for you whether you're an artist, a leader, a business owner, or just looking for inspiration. You can check it all out at creativeimpactpodcast.com slash resources. Next week, my guest for the podcast is Steve Rooks. Steve danced and toured with the Alvin Ailey Repertory Ensemble and the Martha Graham Dance Company, where he performed for over a decade and achieved the rank of principal dancer. He is currently the chair of dance and resident choreographer at Vassar College. His humility and wisdom are such a gift, and I look forward to sharing our conversation with you. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. I'd love it if you'd share the show with a friend, and I'll see you next week for my conversation with Steve Ripp. 